Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 136, an interview with Corinne Crabtree. Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited about today's podcast. We have Corinne Crabtree, host of the No BS Weight Loss Program and the Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne podcast, who I am just in love with. Um, Corinne and I both got trained at the Life Coach School and, you know, just follow the same principles with stopping over drinking and losing weight. So I'm super excited. We talk about her story with weight loss, how she did it, how she overcame obstacles, what her relationship looks like with alcohol, how she's maintained over a hundred pound weight loss and so much more. So make sure you plug in those earphones or grab a notebook and tune in for this amazing podcast episode. And all the links to how to follow Corinne will be in the podcast show notes as well. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Corinne. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So for all of you all that are listening, maybe you haven't heard of the infamous Corinne Crabtree, but Corinne is the host of the No BS Weight Loss Program and the Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne podcast. And so just to kick it off, Corinne, why don't you just give a little bio about yourself, introduce yourself. Yeah. So when I was about nine years old, I started putting on weight like many, like many women do is you, um, if you've battled weight all of your life, uh, it starts usually pretty early. And I was bullied through school, uh, had a lot of depression. By the age of 17, I had attempted suicide, just really struggled with my mind and my weight. Like what it really, it just felt like um, all of my life. Like yeah. even to this day, I've kept my weight. I've lost hundred pounds. I've kept it off for 15 years, but it's funny that I still identify as someone who spent the majority of their life struggling with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I like to keep that because it always reminds me of the people that I want to help. So after I'd lost my weight, I decided I wanted to start coaching women working with women. Uh, it just meant a lot to me to be able to solve a problem that I never thought I really could. Like I spent so much of my life believing that I would always be overweight, that I would never be able to solve it. And once I'd proved myself wrong and <laughs> done something that I did not believe I could ever do, uh, I wanted to be able to do the same thing for others. So um, I've been working with women for about 13 years now, mm-hmm. um, just helping them lose their weight mentally and physically. I've believe in the approach of if you don't lose your mental weight, you'll never lose your physical weight. So I focus on that and um, just happy to be sharing my story and anything that I can do to help another woman prove herself wrong too when it comes to weight loss. <laughs> I love this. I was just on a coaching. Thank you for the introduction. I was just on a coaching call this morning with somebody who like you and me has been dieting their whole life, right? Like I started when I was eight years old, I had to do Nancy Reagan exercise routine aerobics oh my gosh. before school when I was like third grade 
because my parents thought I was overweight. And that just started the whole process until I found the mind work, right, that you teach and I teach to drop the weight, stop over drinking, change all the things. And she's like, you know, I've tried all these things before and I just keep proving myself that I can't do this. This is the only thing I can't do. And I just like proving yourself wrong on that idea is huge. Right. Yeah. Like finally making it like seeing it that it's mental weight. It's your thoughts about yourself. It's your thoughts about your identity. All of that that contribute to the on again and off again type cycle is so important to see. It really is. It's um, and it's so funny because I never really articulated it that way until a few weeks ago where it dawned on me that I had spent so much of my life convinced I couldn't do this. Yeah. I mean, just I wrote about it. I was telling somebody the other day, I I was always a, like a little journaler. My first, my first entry into a diary was when I was nine years old. Mm. And the very first sentence was how much I weighed and how much I wanted to lose weight. Mm. I mean, it just starts so early for us. And then um, I was talking about it the other day and I said, you know what? What's so funny is. Like, I really, truly did believe I could never do it. And I proved myself wrong. I just never talked about it in that way. And I think that was one of the things that I wanted to really start emphasizing to people is that you will believe you can't do it if you've never done it before. That's so normal to not believe in it. It's so normal to have all the doubt and stuff. It's just not normal for all of us to keep thinking. That's the only way we could think about it. Yeah. You know, for me, what changed was I had like, I had like the traditional rock bottom moment. I don't really know if this was the actual rock bottom, Mm -hmm. but the one day that stands out in my mind was when my son was a year old, he was playing in the floor. The process right was on television. So it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. national time. (laughs) And I was just laid out on the couch. Like I was every day by 10 o'clock in the morning, exhausted and tired. And he wanted to play. And he just kind of like, he like toddled up to me and was like offering me a toy. And I, said out loud, mommy's too tired to play. And it like in that moment, I started bawling because Mm -hmm. I remember the thousands of times that my mother was too tired to play with me and how much I hated it growing up, Mm -hmm. how much I wanted a parent that could play with me. My dad had abandoned us. My mother was a single mother working about a bajillion jobs. And When she said she was too tired, it was because she was like, basically, she had 45 minutes before she had to haul off to another job. Mm -hmm. So she didn't want to spend 45 minutes playing with us. She just wanted to lay down for a minute and have a minute to herself. And I just remember the crushing weight of guilt and like hate for myself and just everything came over me. And I spent the day crying and thinking about it. And I remember telling my husband that night, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure this out. And it was like after that, where I started realizing I had to quit thinking I couldn't do it. And I had to start thinking, what are you willing to do today? Mm -hmm. Like I really just had to start putting my focus and energy on tiny little sentences that inched me forward because I'd spent so much time just whining, ruminating, worrying, self-loathing and dwelling and all my can'ts right? and all my never will happens. And it, that is what significantly changed for me with weight loss the last time. It yeah. wasn't that I started day one with like, well, I finally believe I'm going to do this. Right. It was not exciting and it wasn't motivating. It honestly didn't even feel 
it, it, it just didn't feel anything other than like, you just got to start, honey. Like, right, right. like it was just like, a, I was just at that point where it just made sense. Yeah. And I got started. Yeah. That's how I lost the weight was just series and series of telling myself something a little different than all the reasons why I can't do it. Yeah. That's so good. That, that was very similar to mine. Like, you know, you just remember that moment because it is the fucking moment that you decided to change the way you were thinking. Right. And that was very memorable for you saying that out loud and hearing yourself say that and like realizing that that was probably a dialogue that you had inside your head for years. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mine was very similar. My thought was, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited to find out. Yeah. And I'm just like, that was it. Instead of like, you know what, I don't care anymore and I'm going to give up and it doesn't matter. I don't matter. Like all that bullshit. I was like, I'm excited to see what happens from here. Right. And everything changed from that from that moment on. Yeah. It's funny how just one little one little sentence can just shift you just enough to take a few steps forward. Yeah. You never know when that sentence is coming either. (laughs) So this is a good um, question. So I had um, a question about what challenges did you have to overcome in that first year that you worked on losing that, those, because you lost it within a year or so, right? It it took 18 months to lose it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like, what were the biggest challenges you had to overcome during that time? And then I want to bridge it to what have been your biggest challenges in the last year to overcome? I would say the first year for me was, um, there were two big challenges. One was, um, not feeling like what I was doing was good enough. Mm. Um, that has been the, the, I'm not good enough story has been the story of my life. Like I could write a book of, you know, a thousand and one reasons why Corinne has thought she's not good. Enough. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, that's that year. I remember thinking over and over again, because I had decided I was going to look, I was never going to do anything to lose weight that I couldn't see myself doing for the rest of my life. Mm So during that first year, like every month there was a different version of me that was showing up who, who could do a little bit more, but it was all contingent upon the person in the month before doing a lot of things that her brain would tell her that's not good enough. Remember all these other diets where everything was so hard, so restrictive. I mean, you're just leaving butter off of your bread Nobody loses weight doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really like think about that first year. Well, I say it this way. I listened a lot of what I would think and I would tell myself, no, like that is how we've always thought when we stayed overweight. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got hyper vigilant on identifying what, what kind of thinking did I do that felt like old me and then, all right. So I already know what that got me. That got me to quit. That got me to feel terrible. That got me closer to the ice cream carton. That got me all these things. So what do I need to think in this moment? And it wasn't always like, I will tell you so many of the thoughts that first year were hard because what I needed to think in the moment didn't always feel very true yet. Mm But I could reason with myself that if I would tell myself this, like, you're likely to keep going. You're likely to make the next best decision. Like, I can see where this line of thinking would make sense. So let's just go with that. Yeah. So that was like, number one, the hardest thing was like, because I was making so many tiny changes, mm-hmm. battling with the version of me that was so cruel and so 
um, harsh Mm -hmm. and telling me that it wasn't good enough. I think the second hardest thing that first year was, um, like just doing new things. Mm. So I, I've always been someone who will try new things and do new things. Um, despite how terrible I feel about myself, I get Mm -hmm. teased all the time that my coach always says, is there anything you do in life where you just don't take the hard road? (laughs) She's like, there's so many easier ways to do things, but you seem to need to like emotionally labor and toil, but do it anyway. And I'm like, that's a good lesson. And that first year, I wanted to, I wanted to be an exerciser so bad. I'd never played sports. I was the kind of kid in PE growing up that got benched in PE. Like when mm-hmm. they won't let you play in <laughs> PE, you must be fucking out of shape at that oh, point. Man. Because like, I remember always getting sat out. I remember PE teachers telling me that I was going to slow down the other kids. Uh, so just go sit on the bleachers. I mean, uh, just, you know, yeah. we definitely have come a long way. Yes, <laughs> I'll tell you. But that first year I wanted to be an exerciser and I would go to the gym and it would be excruciating. I would be sweating like before I even started exercising mm-hmm. with nerves mm-hmm. and shame and embarrassment, but I would make myself go anyway, because I knew that I needed to commit to walking. I knew for me that I, if I was ever going to be an exerciser, I had to at least walk each day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't live in a neighborhood where you could just go out for walks. Mm-hmm. Chris and I, it wasn't the best of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And so I would wait until he would get home at night. And we would put the baby down. And then when all that was done, I was going to the gym at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, walking for 15, 20 minutes and figuring out machines and looking at things and doing it all on my own. And so I think for me, that first year was just, so many things that I tried in the exercise realm, I was overcoming that idea that I wasn't good at it. Um, I was always going to be the slowest. I, I did all kinds of races that year. I finally, after about nine months, I started jogging some, like mm-hmm. doing walk runs. I was always dead last. Like no one will know how hard it is to keep going to 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons when you know they're going to shut the finish line down before you finish. Mm. I bet like I've done like 60 half marathons and probably the first 20, they always shut the finish line down before I finish. I, I would have a girlfriend that would go with me who was a fast runner, but she always believed in me and she would finish. She would make sure she got my water. She would make sure she got my medal because we knew that by the time I crossed the finish line, there was only going to be one person cheering for me and it was going to be her. Everybody else would be gone. But that first year, I just kept going. I wanted to be an exerciser so bad that I was willing to go through all of that. And it was like, it was, you know, there was like two sides of me. There was the one side that was telling me I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not good enough. They don't even keep a finish line for you. You're Mm -hmm. not, you're not a real athlete. And then there was the other side of me that was like, keep going, just keep going. Yeah. So I would say those two things were the hardest at first year. Yeah. And all of that, just so the listeners are following along here is thoughts, right? It's all mental obstacles that you just described, right? Mental obstacles to get yourself to the gym. I can't do it. I'm too tired. You know, I'm not fast enough. I'm not good enough. The same thing with 
the food stuff, right? Like you're not being strict enough. This isn't going to work. You're not doing enough. Like all similar stuff, right? Yeah. But the the difference here in this time for you was that you decided to give yourself another option. Uh, exactly. To believe another thought. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think this year, your other question about what's been the hardest thing this past year. Yeah. Our, you know, honestly, this past year has been probably one of the better years of my life. Um, if I had, if I had to name one thing, it's probably been me showing more of my body this year. Mm. Um, I've always kind of like, I mean, everybody knows I'm pretty much going to say and tell everybody everything that's going on with me, mm-hmm. but I got real compelled this year to start sharing more realistic photos of me. Not that we've been putting out fake ones, but it was just like selfies and stuff. And about a year ago, I decided to take some pictures of me in a bikini because I just got tired of so many women sitting around, not wanting to lose weight because they were so afraid of what their body was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to show them like, this is what it looks like when you lose a hundred pounds. And even though mine's not perfect, it's for sure not the body. Like if I was going to go pick one off the shelf, I wouldn't have chosen this one. Like I would have picked one that was, you know, naturally tan, very toned (laughs) and just, you know, ripping muscles everywhere. I would pick one with scars and loose skin and Mm -hmm. all this other stuff. But Like I choose this body every day. I would choose this body and all that it comes with for like over, not the body that I used to have, but over the misery I had, you know, the construction of this body came from learning how to talk to myself, Mm -hmm. believing in myself learning how to be my own cheerleader when, when I was, you know, at some point I crossed, I crossed the threshold of being ashamed that I was last to being proud that I was out there. Yeah. You know, this body is a reflection of that person. Yeah. And so I think for this year, just God putting it out for public consumption, you know, cause when I post stuff, I get, I get a lot of love. I never want anybody to think that I don't get enough love. Mm -hmm. I get plenty of love in this world. It is ridiculous. But I get about 5% of people who are just, they feel free to comment on how I talk. They feel free to comment on my body Mm -hmm. and what it looks like and what I should do with it, what I should do with my body, what I should do with my mouth. Um, And this last year, I've had to become someone that takes all that in it doesn't believe it. Yeah. And it's not that I've ever truly believed it, but it, I, I've gotten so much better at not letting it hurt anymore. Yeah. Like I just understand that it's important to put this body out there for the 95% who need this message. Yes. And just don't worry about the other five. Yes. Yeah. Though It's just always going to come when you put yourself out there, right? Just like with anything. You tell your family you want to lose weight for the last time. You want to stop over drinking. You want to start a business. Whatever it is, big, audacious goal that you have, people are going to hate it. And most people love it, right? Most people yeah. want to support you and see you succeed and things like that. But it just comes with that. So I love right. that. And your twerking video. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what's so funny about that. I was so, I was just like, oh my God, I'm fixing to put it out there. Like there is, 
there couldn't be any more flesh. It's like, not only am I putting my flesh out there, but I'm jiggling my flesh, like all the things. I lost a ton of followers. Really? Of all the things that I have done, I have said, I have like, I have dropped videos where I probably said the F-bomb 30 times in in a one minute video. No followers leave. That video, I think we lost like five or 600 followers in a day. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. And that was one of those that so many people commented on that um like women shouldn't show that much skin Mm. women shouldn't ever um women shouldn't like if you look like that you shouldn't put yourself out there like you would not believe the stuff people said and how upset people got but it was what that video you know when we're talking about the hardest thing by the time i dropped that video i really it was like the first time where people had gotten upset with me where I dug in harder on the message I want to put out there. Yeah. Like it was like, I really saw how much I'd grown in sharing like how I am naturally. Mm-hmm. Like I am the person who goes to the pool and does stuff like that. Like <laughs> this is Corinne. I, you this know, is why I, I love mean. you. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, like I, like I almost got, I got a little pissed which I think is a healthy thing of like people are sitting around thinking they can tell me what to do in my body. Yeah. Like I was like, this is one of those times I think we are allowed to be pissed and we like our reasons. And then it made me dig into I'm doing the right things because if there are still people out there who have so many thoughts and opinions about how someone's living their life, more of us who are willing to put it out there need to step up. Yeah. You know, so it was a, it was a big moment for me, but that, yeah, that video is funny. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't take it down. It's, it's good. I mean, it's like similar to what you, you talked about on my podcast about the patriarchy, right? Yeah. How, not to cuss, not to show too much skin, how to act, like all these rules that we think, you know, society tells us to have as women, when we adapt those rules, we're the ones that suffer, right? So those people right. that comment, I just got a iTunes review two days ago, four stars, not five because of the swearing. Love your content, but I can, you know, I I can control myself in a professional environment. Why can't you? Yeah. I'm like, I choose not to control myself in my professional environment. That's the right. difference. Like, I choose my words very carefully, and I choose to put swear words in there, just like you choose you chose to put that video out there. Like, right? that is you. That is you being your authentic self. And when we edit ourselves and worry about what other people think we are not living our true selves and then we go fucking eat out of the cabinets and drink the bottles of wine at the end exactly right and that's the thing is that like i don't think i don't think i think especially with women i don't think how i don't think we understand at what level we are editing ourselves and we are playing small or trying to please and saying things and trying to appear a certain way it's like when you spend your whole life, and I did that for years, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, spending years so worried about my body that I tried to overcompensate in so many different ways that would wear me out emotionally to where yeah. the only thing I knew to do was to eat cookie dough for dinner. Yeah. Like I just needed the, re- I needed the release from myself mm-hmm. and I needed the release from the expectations of the world. And I think that like we have to like strong women like us, we have to talk about the things we go through. We have to talk about why we do things. We have to be ourselves so that that next person 
who really wants to say fuck in a meeting or who wants to wear a bikini, mm-hmm. even though uh, like her sister said she's too big to wear it, whatever's happening, we got to go first for them. So yep. they be like, if they can do it, so can I. Yes, yes. I mean, that that energy that's involved with trying to be the professional woman or mother or whatever it is that's happening, try to follow this rule book all day, not saying the right thing, trying to move through the office quietly and not being offensive, whatever it is, that is exhausting to play a yes. role that you don't naturally want to be in, right? Right. In society. Exactly. I mean, I reflect that so much in my, when I was working for other people days and the energy that that would take. And then you have no energy left to work through your urges at the end of the day, to exactly. honor the plan that you made for yourself and to follow through on the commitments that you made, right? Like that is exhausted by the time you get to the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I had another question for you. So I want to talk about alcohol and weight loss since most of my followers (laughs) want to work on their drinking, right? So how did you lose your weight and maintain or have a relationship with alcohol? In particular with alcohol, it was like I knew that – so there's a part of me that knows that like I can't drink at the level at which – like if I was just going to be like, fuck it all, Mm -hmm. this is how much I would drink. I just want to drink a lot. Like, that's the way I've always been. My, my family's big drinkers and stuff. And so when I was losing weight, I had to really decide what was going to be more important, like drinking as much as I wanted or losing weight. And so I decided rather than drinking like all the things, I decided I'm just going to start drinking on plan on certain days. And then when I do it, I'm going to really understand like why I want to, I did it just like I did with food. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was like, I'm going to put it on the plan. Like I, I want to, like, I knew in order to lose my weight and live the life I wanted, I wanted to have a few drinks. Mm-hmm. Like my husband and I would go to Vegas all the time. I want to be able to go to Vegas and I want to be able to drink. And when I'm at home, I like to be able to go on that date night and I like to have drinks. Mm-hmm. I just make sure I plan them. That's how it's always worked for me in weight loss. And I will say that over the years, um, so in the beginning, I just planned it and I just did those things. Mm -hmm. Then after a while, this was like way into maintenance. Mm -hmm. So way into maintenance, I really started examining um, like how much should I really truly want to be a drinker? Mm -hmm. Like how much drinking did I want to do? I will say like, I think about four years ago, four or five years ago, I noticed that I was drinking a little bit more Mm -hmm. than what I would like. Like I was like, I know I like drinking and I don't want to, but I also don't like the after effects. So Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time writing about it and realizing like how shitty I was feeling. And I think it was standing out to me because the older I was getting, the worse I was feeling. Like in my thirties, I could drink some and like go work out the next day and like go show up. And it just didn't affect me in my forties. (laughs) It's like dragging me behind a bus or something. I mean, just a a couple of drinks. So I started really like examining it. And what I really realized is that I was starting to have a few drinks on nights when I just wanted to relax Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get away from my day. And it just didn't dawn on me that I was even doing it until I paid attention to it. Mm -hmm. And I made an agreement with myself. This was about, I guess it, it took me about two years to really like wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. I've never been one to move fast on something, <laughs> but I made a commitment to myself that I was not going to drink anymore because of a bad day. Yeah. That I knew that like for me, I really examined what's important about it. And so much of it was the experience, 
the like the time that I spend with my husband. Mm -hmm. This is something that we do together. So we cut out all drinking at home. I was just like, I don't feel those things. I don't feel like it's an experience. Mm -hmm. I don't like when I'm at home doing it, it's almost always because I've had a shitty day. Mm. It's never because we just want to be together mm -hmm. and talk and like go to our favorite bar, do all those things. And then um, I noticed that what are the differences between the times when I'm calling an audible and saying, let's go drink tonight. Like I noticed there was a period of time where I was switching nights. Mm. So it was like, we would plan to go on Friday night. Well, Wednesday, I'd have a shitty day. And I'd be like, let's just go tonight instead of Friday. Mm. Well, what always would happen is we'd go on Wednesday. And by Friday, I would feel cheated because Wednesday, all I did was buffer from a hard day. Yeah. But I didn't have date night. Mm. I didn't have connection. I didn't yes. have all that. I was just getting away from my day. And so then I would feel denied and deprived by Friday. Mm -hmm. And so I just made an agreement with myself. Like, it's fine if you want to drink, but do it on your terms mm -hmm. like stop just doing it because or making up bullshit excuses because I'm not one to live my life with bullshit excuses yeah. so I kind of handled it a lot like I've handled food mm -hmm. is I don't want to be the kind of person who routinely is unwinding with food I don't want to do the same thing with alcohol yeah so I believe with weight loss you can incorporate both of them mm -hmm. but you still got to plan smart yeah we all have to remember that alcohol has calories so mm -hmm. if you're trying to lose weight like don't fool yourself into thinking you can kill a bottle of wine every night and lose some weight you got to figure out like why are you doing all this what is it that you really want and if we're going to have it let's make it special yeah and not just make it an escape yeah yeah I love that I mean that that was exactly what I did you know I don't drink anymore but when I was working on it I just took the emotional attachment away from it, right? So I wasn't using it to solve my problems, basically, or to make anything yeah. better. Like, I, I yeah. stopped using that language. Like, I just need it to have more fun or to take the edge off. Like, all of that is just an attachment to it to either make it better or to escape what I was currently feeling. And when I took all that away, I'm like, huh, don't really need it for anything anymore, right? And so I just don't really want it anymore. But... I love that because most of the people in my in my program, as you know, just want to stop over drinking. They don't want to necessarily quit forever. Some of them end up doing that anyway. But just yeah. like you described, giving yourself that time and space to kind of explore why you were doing it, recognizing the patterns in which you were playing games, switching your date nights, changing your yes. plans, all that um, is so important to give yourself the time to do that. Um, there was another question I had. I want to talk about... You talk about how sometimes you make decisions to not eat certain foods or to eat more um, healthy foods and that those decisions coming from a good place or like a healthy mm -hmm. place versus like a restriction place. And can you talk a little bit about determining what place you're making those decisions to maybe decide to eliminate certain foods or to eat better? Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a lot of mentality around like there are certain foods that we don't keep in the house mm -hmm. and it's not because Corinne thinks, Oh my God, you're so out of control. You can never handle that and stuff. There are just certain foods that if they're in the house, I'm just going to have to navigate a lot of urges. Mm -hmm. Like I know that I'm going to be like, Ooh, a few chips will be okay. Like I, I just don't want that mental chatter. Yeah. It's like the way that I think about it is if I want chips or ice cream, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy it. And then I'm going to have it. It's just a lot like the wine and stuff. Yeah. Like if chips are in the pantry and I'm having a bad day, 
That means I also not only am going to have a bad day, but now I'm going to have to navigate the urge to not yes. eat chips and do all this other stuff. Yeah. What I watch a lot of people do is they set up their internal in, or their like home internal environment mm-hmm. out of fear, fear that they can't handle it, fear that they blah, blah, blah. I do it from a total power place. It's like there are just certain foods that I absolutely love. And when I have them, I want to have them because I'm truly enjoying them. Yeah. Like I want to have no regrets after I eat them. Mm-hmm. And I also don't want to be sitting around trying to like manage my brain. I just want my food to be as easy as possible. Mm. So when I go into my refrigerator, my food is sitting there and it's food that I love. It's food that's delicious. It's food that is amazing. And it's so easy to make the choice. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of just like listening to what I watch people do is they try to control their environment to compensate for what they think they're bad at or have Mm. a weakness in. Mm. And I always think about, I'm controlling my environment to set myself up for as much success as possible. Yeah. And then if I want those foods, I'll have them. Mm -hmm. I'll just go get them. Mm -hmm. But I don't need chips and ice cream in my house every single day to prove to myself I have control over them. Yeah. Yeah. I do that through careful, like just my, my regular planning. Right. So I think that that's the big thing. I just, and I, you know, we've like, we'll have some weeks where the boys like they'll have, they'll really, they'll like what Chris went through in COVID. <laughs> he went through a six month peanut butter and jelly spree where every <laughs> night he was eating two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with chips. That was his thing. That's all he wanted and stuff. Well, we had chips in the house mm-hmm. for those six months. Mm-hmm. And when I knew that he wanted them, I was like, all right. So when you want chips, Corinne, you just need to plan them. Mm-hmm. But then when he's no longer having chips, we don't just keep them as just, hanging around food. Yeah. Like nobody wants them now. So mm-hmm. I don't keep them in the house. So it's like a lot of times I think we have to go through the ring of fire in order to lose weight. It's like, you don't have to keep things and you don't have to get rid of things. Mm-hmm. It's always just think about how am I setting myself up for success? I'm in total control. What like is having this food and planning it each day better for me right now? So I can drop like a lot of my fear around it so I can learn that I can have it each day. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who practice a lot of restriction in the beginning, they need the foods around. They mm-hmm. actually need to get used to eating them. They don't need any more time practicing, keeping them away, keeping yeah. them at bay. Some people like they're just ready to get started. And they're like, it would just be a lot easier if I don't have it. And then I'm going to bring it back and I'm going to practice. But they're thinking about it in a way where they feel like I'm making the decisions. I'm the one in control. The food is not in control of me. Yeah, I love that. It's the same thing, you know, about alcohol. It's like, you know, I teach like you don't you not to hide from your social network, not to not go out for dinner, not to not go on vacation. Right. Like we don't want to just hole up and hide from all of these times so that we avoid the uncomfortable situations. We have enough of that. Just walking through the grocery store, we can feel those feelings. (laughs) Right. Every time we go fucking driving down the road, we can pass drive throughs and restaurants and and things that cue us to be like, ooh, right. We want that. But you can set yourself up for more success on your day to day, which is where the meat and the potatoes happens anyway, right? Like a regular everyday schedule to be successful and knowing that you can go get those things and put them in your house if you want to, if you've planned for it, just like with alcohol, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think it's just a lot of taking the drama out of a lot of it. You know, like taking, like, I don't think people really realize how much inner chatter they have around all that stuff. It's like, I'm a big believer in, let's just make, I always call it just binary decisions. Mm -hmm. Are you having it or you're not? 
Yeah. You're going to have it. Let's set yourself up for success to have it. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to have it, let's think like I choose not to. Like, let's just keep things so simple. So where you always feel like I'm the one, I'm the boss of me. I'm the boss of food. Like, here's who, who here's the, the bitch in charge right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. Um, I think that was all the questions I had for you. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? About yourself, about your story with weight loss. What do you think the biggest secret is in your maintenance? The biggest secret in maintenance is I still do the things that it took me to lose my weight. Um, So, like, I always teach lose weight the way you're going to live your life. So I snuck up on my weight loss. I always like to say, like, snuck up on it. Mm -hmm. And it was I made all these little small incremental changes along the way. So each time I made a change, it was because I felt like, ooh, I'm ready for this next change. I can see myself becoming this person and I'm ready to start doing this and start doing it for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So by the time I lost my weight, there was nothing to run from. There was nothing to get away from. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't need relief. I didn't need to just live a little. I didn't need doing that because I was already living my life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this thing where people, when they lose their weight, they're like, oh, thank God. Now I can live a little. Or they get to the weekends, they're like, oh, now I can live a little. Mm -hmm. I lived all the way through. Mm -hmm. And that made me want to stay there. Mm -hmm. So I think now in maintenance, like people say, like, you really plan your food each day. And I'm like, yeah, would you like to see my planner? It takes me two minutes. I tell people all the time, I love making my food decisions ahead of time. Food and what's going to go in my body is the one thing that's going to make me a better wife and mother. Because if I am not hangry or deprived or uh, nutritionally void, I'm probably not going to lose my temper, Mm -hmm. be bitchy, be edgy, be tired. Like it allows me to show up fully for my family. It helps me build this business. It also, like planning my food each day, allows me to not have to think about food all day long so that I can think about things I'm grateful for, what I'm working on, what I'm doing. It just frees up brain space and it just takes no time. So like, I just plan my foods. Um, I fell in love with exercising after, after I got over being in last place and Mm -hmm. um, trying to figure the gym out. I work out each day and I don't think I have to, it's not a grind. Now I will say there's a lot of days I go to the gym like everybody else. And I'm like, fuck me. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to the gym. Like I'm tired like everyone else. Mm-hmm. I have mental chatter like everyone else. But at the end of the day, I know that I am someone who moves their body six days a week. And I know I am someone who feels so much better when they do that. And yeah. so I'm, it's easier for me to get myself into action. It's easier for me to do that. So I still work out. Um, I still plan my food. And I've, I eat healthier now than I ever have in my life, but I still plan a lot of fun food. Like I am not one to deprive myself. I, like there's, there's like a few things in the world that I love. What I've found through weight loss and in maintenance is that There's not a lot of foods that I have to have anymore Mm. in order to be happy. Mm. You know, like I think when I was before all of this, I like I had put so much of my happiness in food that without it, like if it was gone, I didn't have any happiness. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn how to be happy on my own. And I found a way to create so much happiness in my life that I figured there's only a few foods that I really, really love 
And when I have them, I have them with like all out joy, fried chicken livers. I will be a good Southern girl eating fried chicken livers until I go to the grave. Um, I love nachos, like nobody's business, but it has to have shredded cheese melted. I'm not a queso girl. Like I'm very particular about my nachos. I love a good, good hot, like serving of French fries. Mm. That is like everything to me. And I like chips. And even though this isn't unhealthy, because um, a lot of times people are like, oh my God, that's really one of your favorite foods. Subway. My wow. husband and I, I swear to God, we always say, if Logan ever goes anywhere for a couple of weeks, we're going to do Subway breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're just waiting on the day for that child to travel on his own. Cause we're just he like, doesn't like Subway? Oh, he's like, Chris and I could bathe in Subway. Like, we we <laughs> will go to amazing. Las Vegas and we'll go to Subway and get Subway like it's, oh, wow. what a treat. We're going to the Subway. And other people are like going to a steakhouse. We're like, is there a Subway at this hotel? That is <laughs> so, awesome. I know we've always been that we're, we're a cheap date. Honestly, we're not, we're not that hard to please, but you know, there's just a few things, but like, you can tell when I like that, I have like established such a good relationship with food that there are certain ones like, you better believe I'm in ecstasy when I eat them Mm -hmm. and I won't just eat them because I'm having a bad day. I don't want to ruin them. Right. It's not fun. It's not actually fun when you're eating it from that place anyway. It's not. No. No. So those are like my, and I also like, um, like I like blizzard type stuff, like anything, mm. like an ice cream with a mix in. That's pretty much a sweet <laughs> spot too. But, but you know, it's not easy to please me, but I literally enjoy those things. But most of the time I would just as well, much rather have some of the stuff that we make. Like this week we're having, a, my son and I have very similar tastes. We love like foods from all over the world. We're doing this Indian dish. It has two fried eggs sweet potatoes it's got like turmeric and all Mm. kinds of stuff chickpeas feta cheese like all this stuff in it and we have been eating it like it's going out of style such a like nutritious meal and i but those things delight me just as much like Mm -hmm. when i eat stuff like that like i sit there and have just as much joy because i'm thinking like this is how i'm taking care of myself Yeah. yeah this is how i'm gonna be here for as many years as this world can take me. Instead of, oh, I got to eat this diet food, and oh, I really exactly. want to have a pizza, right? Totally different exactly. experience. Yeah. Cool. Well, you had a little, um, Corinne teaches advanced weight loss certification, right? Mm-hmm. So did you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So if you happen to be a weight loss coach who graduated from the life coach school, uh, my advanced weight loss certification is opening for the final time in 2021. We're going to start classes mid-September and we're going to open up registration uh, the week of August the 12th. So if you were, if you go to theweightlossuniversity.com, you can get information about it and we'll send you when the applications open. There's a video explaining the program and what it's all about, but it's essentially where if you really want to learn how to, it's two phases. The first phase is more about how to truly take care of your clients' systems, how to coach at a deep level and how to help someone drop that weight loss mental weight that people carry around. I'm really big on, it's not just enough to teach them the Nobius weight loss course, but we have to start surrounding them with all the things that typically get in the way mm-hmm. when people are trying to lose weight, like self-sabotage, self-love is a huge obstacle. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of our clients come to us when they've tried every diet and they've regained weight. Mm. How do you coach someone on the regain process and how to get that weight off? So what we do is during that, during that, um, first phase, it's a two, it's a four month program. Those first two months, we're really talking about your client journey. Mm -hmm. Like how do you start them? How do you work with them? What are all the like tools and techniques to teach them that's important to their journey? And then how do you successfully graduate them? Because the goal for every coach is really to teach someone how to be so amazing that they can live without you. Yes. Like I, I always tell people, I don't want somebody's sucking my coaching tit for the rest of my life. I want you wean them at some point, you know? And so like the second half is where I teach you, like if you're the world's best coach, it doesn't mean anything unless you know how to talk to people. So I like to teach the concept of like, I'm going to teach you some systems. Like you'll have a working funnel with emails and stuff written, mm. but it's not just about like, how do you set up a funnel? It's more about how do you set yourself up to be the voice of authority so that somebody already identifies you're my coach before I've ever paid you a dollar. Mm. And when you can establish, when you know the techniques to how to establish that relationship, you already become their coach. So it's so much easier to like make it all official. And yeah. now we're coaching. So mm -hmm. that's what my program's about. And like I said, it's it's a four month program. You'll work with me, my team, all like my marketing team's coming in, my content team's coming in, my coaching team's coming in. I'm gonna be there. We're gonna be walking you through all of it. And um, it's at theweightlossuniversity.com. That's awesome. What's the time commitment on that, do you think, per week? It's, it's aggressive. <laughs> Be prepared to work your ass off. So I would say the time commitment is a good two to three hours of work each week. Okay. But the, the nice thing is, is the work is not just about studying coaching tools. It's about your learning how, like, um, I think one of the things that people have to get good at as coaches these days is written coaching mm -hmm. because we are a written society. Most people are now expecting when they're getting coached, not to just have a phone call. Yeah. They're expecting interaction and it's happening in texts and it's happening in slacks and it's happening in Facebook groups and being able to be concise and help a client through that is important. So we spend a lot of time that first half teaching you like the, like what a modern coach has to be good at, like sharpening those skills. So that first half is a lot of that. The second half, you're doing a lot of work more on getting, getting your messaging correct, becoming a thought leader, learning how to figure out a, an awesome freebie that speaks like that really showcases you mm -hmm. and your techniques and your prop like intellectual property and your brand. So we're going to have our, my brand person come in and talk about what's important about uh, like, how do you pull the brand out of you? Like, mm -hmm. how do you know what you're going to like stand for and what you're going to be? So that's a lot of it. So, you know, don't sign up unless you're ready to do some work. And by the end of it, have a lot of things completed so that you really feel like you're ready to go. That's awesome. That sounds like fun. Cool. So we'll include all those links in the show notes for everybody to click through. And if somebody wanted to follow you right now, how do they do that? The easiest thing to do is go to nobsfreecourse.com. If you sign up for my free course, then you will find out how to follow me on Instagram, how to follow me on Facebook, how to find the podcast. You'll get my free course. And then you'll be on my email list because I send out a Monday motivation every week that addresses weight loss. And then on Friday, you get a really good email about what we talked about on the podcast and some like extra tips and lessons and stuff. Cool. So that's nobsfreecourse.com. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. We'll link that up in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you, Corinne. 
I'm so well, good to see you. Well, thank you, Angela. You're well, it's good seeing you too. We'll talk to you soon. Did my